0: In the darkest corners of the internet, a nameless, formless entity has been growing. No one dares question where it was created or what it wants, but those who have been entranced by its musings chant its blood curdling name in unison. Horror, Horror Movie Night. Night! Find Horror Movie Night on your favorite podcasting app or at HMNPodcast.com.
1: Meanwhile, in New Jersey...
2: From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app.
4: to White People Problems, a uh, OC recap podcast uh, where we talk about everything and nothing at the same time, it seems. My name is Joe.
1: And I am Matt. And we are joined by our first guest in show history. Four episodes in, and we have a guest. I am a longtime fan of this person's writing and podcasting. Aaron Mallory Long.
3: Hi. Thank you <laughs> hey, for having me.
1: Of course. you. I've heard you bring up the OC on multiple podcasts <laughs> in my life. And I thought, I think I know someone who would want to do this show. I didn't expect you to be like, I want to do quite literally the next episode we were supposed to record so this came together much quicker than I thought it was going to but let's talk about well first I want to know why this episode why the debut
3: as soon as I haven't re-watched the OC in a very long time but as soon as you asked me like what episodes I like this is the first thing that came to my mind <laughs> and it's because it's so Weird to me. Like I'm from upstate New York. Like we don't have this. Like we don't have, we don't have this like rich people like Orange County stuff. And I was like, is this real? Like, do they have a cotillion? Is this made up? I thought it was made up from like little women days. Like I was like, what's going on? Like what is this? And it's just it's always stuck out to me. And I didn't realize until watching Laguna Beach, that this was real because they have a cotillion <laughs> in
1: Laguna Beach too. And I was like, Aaron. The cotillion is the most important night of the year. (laughs) To the adults.
4: (laughs) In the fourth episode, the most important night of the year. So you can stop watching after this.
1: You've seen the peak. Well, Aaron, I am so excited to have you on. I hinted at this on the last episode we just recorded with the casino night episode. Oh, my God. Just from a strictly storytelling perspective. I want to know your thoughts on this, because I feel like episode four is way too early to reveal this entire Jimmy's money laundering situation. Like, that feels like a mid-summer break episode where, like, you send people spending a couple months wondering, like, what's going to happen next? Yeah, we're a
4: cool month in. So, what, it it debuts in August, right? So, it's, like, still technically summer. It's September. Like, we're... (laughs) And already it's like mid-season finale, cliffhanger. They haven't even
3: started, they haven't started attending school yet. Like it's (laughs) it's still summer break for them, for the characters. No, I, so I rewatched all the episodes leading up to this, which is only three, but you know, that's what I did yesterday. So in the, in the pilot, even, I couldn't believe that they were hinting at the Jimmy stuff. I was like, Oh wow, this happens so fast. Like, I knew that it happened in this episode, in the debut. I knew that a lot of stuff happened in this episode. And I knew that was a big plot point in this. I didn't realize how much stuff happens in this episode though. Like Mm -hmm. Anna gets introduced, which is like such a huge part of season. I I kind of forgot she was in season one. I was like, oh my God, like she's here already. Like there was just like so many things that, that come up. And I'm sitting here racking my brain trying to remember how they resolve. Like, is Tate Donovan never on the show again? I don't remember. Because I was like, (laughs) this is so early for all of this to be going on. But Mm -hmm. it's the OC where like, by the fourth season it's an unrecognizable show so like yeah. <laughs> it's like from that perspective it makes sense cuz you're just like well a lot of stuff has to happen and these are 22 episode seasons too so it's like how do you get through this? Like, what else is going to happen? But it turns out a lot of stuff is going to happen. You
1: have no ex- no clue how exciting it is to start a podcast where I know that we won't even make it to 100 episodes, like, <laughs> just by the nature of the show. I'm like, this is great. A, a year and a half I have to dedicate to doing this show. Yeah, totally. Not a problem. Cakewalk. Totally. Perfect. <laughs> so let's talk about the Anna of it all real quick. Because the Anna piece of this put me through so many different thoughts throughout the whole time because first of all Anna Stern shows up I don't know anything about this character I know nothing about this person and my first thought is wow I like have an instant crush on this girl but I feel like that's creepy because they're high schoolers do some quick googling oh she's like a 24 year old woman playing a 17 year old weird casting choice then I learn more about the actress and whatever attraction I had just plummets instantly because I'm like oh "Oh, she's Yeah, like, oh, she's a conservative, like, running for, like, Senate in Arizona right now and, like, a hardcore Trump ally. And I'm like, oh, no, Anna Stern. It's bad.
3: I totally forgot about that.
1: (laughs) So there's all of that. And then the more Anna Stern talked, the more I was like, this girl's not a very good actress. (laughs) Like, there's not, I don't know what it is, but there's nothing about her delivery that's believable. And I feel like the character herself like, fell into this category where I'm, like, on one hand, I'm sure, like, having a really attractive comic book nerd was, like, empowering to other attractive comic book nerds who had to deal with, like, all right, name four Spider-Man stories or whatever, but it also, like, created another, like, manic pixie dream girl for incels to, like... Yep. put on a pedestal so I'm like god there's so many <laughs> conflicting thoughts like running through my head about this character um, yeah the I am I, I know from doing the google search on the actress that I will see more of Anister, and mm-hmm. I don't know how much more but like I am so intrigued but like frustrated with this character already
3: <laughs> yeah I, I think that's fair I never liked her is what I remember from watching this. I don't know if it's like a weird jealousy thing on my part. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. I was like when the OC was on, I was in college and obsessed with it. And I was in film school at NYU. So I knew a lot of girls who were exactly her. And.
4: Oh no.
0: (laughs) I'm
3: not like, I just, I don't, I don't, I'm not that thing like there was like a bunch of girls who like you know they had like dyed hair and stuff in college and it's like that's who everyone in film school like is into so me as like an insecure 18 year old is like fuck you like i don't like (laughs) that that kind of like (laughs) uh like you don't have to be that way like i would get teased for my like friends dvds for instance you know before the whole series was even finished airing and it's like oh well yeah okay she just knows comic books great like I love Star Wars who cares like (laughs) so I think I have that like I have I have never liked her and I always liked Summer because she's just like sarcastic and a brunette and stuff so I was just always like Summer I like Summer I hate Anna (laughs)
1: so i'll tell you right now at this point in the show i do not get the summer appeal and it's actually made me like seth cohen less because i'm like this is who you've like dedicated your entire life to this person who seems like a legitimate monster roaming newport beach
3: it makes no sense for the first couple episodes (laughs) all rachel bilson does is show up in a bikini and say like the most ditzy airheaded thing that you've ever heard in your life and you're like what? She
4: says ill? We're just straight up the meanest yeah. thing.
1: Yeah. Like yeah, so, or or she'll mean. just be or mean. fucking mean. Like it's infuriating and I'm like you I like you Seth. And like Seth is obviously if you're a remotely nerdy person, he's the only person you can cling to yes. as a male in this show anyway. So it's like huh. I'm watching it and it's I think there's a part like kind of how you have that jealousy towards Anna Stern. I have that anger at like knowing that in high school, I was definitely this guy interested in girls that were not interested in me. And it was to quote a thing that you've literally said on your show that was a quote from your mom, like attraction can only go so far. Like that was almost my entire high school crush was just like, she's cute. We have zero things in common. She treats everybody like garbage, but look at how pretty she is.
3: No, it's, I don't know how they ended up deciding to make summer like a series regular because that's the whole thing she's not she wasn't supposed to be at the beginning she's just a guest star she wasn't supposed to like keep being on the show so it's like i don't know when this is the character i guess you just i guess it's just behind the scenes they like rachel bilson and they're like how about we give you something to work with instead of nothing (laughs) like
4: yeah because then she becomes part of the core four, which like is a bonkers because like they gave her nothing in the beginning and i was telling matt in the previous episode i was like look i i love summer at the end yeah. because she besides ryan she has like the most defined arc mm-hmm. like in terms of the entire like the the breadth of the series yeah. which i kind of love but also i mean part of that's also because like you know thing casting choices happen at the end <laughs> of season 3 <laughs> I, I don't know how much Matt knows. I don't. About, yes, you know? I, all totally. I know is
1: that every person that I've spoken to has been like, "You could stop at the end of season three. You don't have to rewatch season correct. four for this."
4: But it is you are correct. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so it's just, it doesn't make any sense. But like, here's the thing: Rachel Bilson is actually pretty great. Yes. Like, this is you know, so it makes it makes sense in that regard. They kind of like Jesse Pinkman, her yes. right? Like they're like, we'll just make him a series regular, and now the entire uh, and give him, like, by the end of the show, like, he becomes the character that we identify with the most. Yeah,
3: totally. Totally. It's just so, yeah. It's, she literally, I mean, truly is just in a bikini the whole time. hmm it's just – it's sort of remarkable. Like, it's this, just like she just shows up and is in a bikini, I, and it's like, why?
1: <laughs> what did I write down? There was something I wrote down about that. Oh, no, it's not her, actually. It's Holly. I said, Holly just casually grilling with a cocktail in one hand while wearing a bikini is the most insane shit I've seen today. <laughs> like, it is, And it's like this tiny-ass charcoal grill, which, like – I look – I am so far from a manly man at all. But if you have that many people over that you're grilling for, that tiniest charcoal grill is not going <laughs> to cut it. Like you, You're trying to serve like 50 people with that thing. It's going to take hours.
3: Also, what <laughs> like, teen house party is grilling anyway? Yes. Like,
4: <laughs> Thank you. No one's eating food. Why would
3: you? Oh, God. <laughs> I, I,
1: like, I think that I wrote Summer Sucks four different times. Though. My notes, I'm like, looking at this. No, um,
3: she's, t- she's terrible, but she gets good. And- This is not a spoiler, but just something to look forward to. She says this line that I say all the time. It's in a long time, which is just like where she's like saying something. And then she's like, I'm sorry. I just had a rage blackout. (laughs) Like, Like, I say that all the time.
1: (laughs) I spent a lot of the last episode complaining about how I just could not handle the over the top melodrama of the casino night sequences. I feel completely differently about this entire episode like by the end the final note that I had written down was just Sandy Cohen is my biggest crush on this show right now yeah. like he is the from from the start I've been like worshipping this character but like the arc that we get to see just in this episode of like when we get to the point where him and Ryan are just sitting on the floor playing video games like my heart is so full of joy that I'm just like I I just I love everything that's happening right now.
3: I know. And I I've never I've never watched The OC as a parent, right? I have two little kids now. And so I'm watching the end of Casino Night and then the beginning of this crying. Just fully yeah.
1: Yeah.
3: fully crying. <laughs> because I'm just like, oh no. <laughs> She's just trying to be his mom. Like it's so sad. Yeah. So, I am having like a very different experience watching the show now as a grown-up, as a mom, where I'm just like. Sandy is the best dad. Um, so glad that Kirsten and Sandy took him in. This is so beautiful. Like he's gonna be part of their family. Like just such a different experience. Such a different experience watching this now.
4: Well, there you see to get you see to get like a TikTok of your kids like doing I'll unpack later and then just you know (laughs) weeping, weeping.
1: (laughs) I um, too much. I love in the very beginning of this episode. Uh, Sandy and Kirsten sit down and try to explain to Ryan like hey like we're going to become your legal guardians but that like means all of these things and Ryan's like but whatever you decide you don't want me like something bad could happen and Sandy's like like what you burn down a house or <laughs> steal a car or punch the polo captain like and it's just a beautiful reminder of how much insane shit has happened in three episodes of this show already.
3: it's only episode four <laughs> <only> <laughs> and It just gets crazier. I mean, it's like I was sitting there being like, oh, yeah, I forgot that this happens in the OC and then this and then that. Mm -hmm. It's like it just it goes completely off the rails.
1: My only knowledge of this show is legitimately the Chris episode that I've watched prior and like the "Mm, what you say shot. Yes. Like Uh, like, that is it. Like I know nothing
3: else. Just wait until you get to Olivia Wilde.
1: Olivia Wilde? in (laughs) season two. (laughs) This is chaos. But let's talk about debut top balls because that is such a creepy, strange thing that like has never made sense to me and continues to not make sense to me after watching this show as well.
3: Anything where you're taking teen girls and putting them in white gowns, I'm immediately mm-hmm. like, this is a big red flag. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. What are you doing? I went to college with someone who went to a very small high school in Kentucky like their class was like 20 kids or something. Like she graduated with 20 kids. Their graduation looked like this. All the no. all the girls in white dresses. And she's like showing me pictures. And I was like, oh, uh, what? <laughs> like, and it's exactly, it looks exactly like this. I'm like, so you had a debutante ball. Like,
4: yes, the, so,
1: you're, you're, your are As graduation. So yes. the only other time that I've ever heard of a debutante ball. Was actually in the cartoon The Critic, (laughs) where there's an episode where his sister has to go to the debutante ball. And I remember it having this joke where I obviously did not get it as a kid, but rewatching the show in college was like, that is a racy joke (laughs) for The Critic, was that they're getting the gown ready. And the person that's, like, putting together the dress, like, asks all the parents to leave and talks to the sister and is like,
0: We dressmakers have a very strict code, so I need to know, do you deserve to wear virginal white? Because if you don't, you'll have to wear an off-white, what we call a hussy white. So which will it be? White white?
2: Yes. Um,
3: except for the gloves. (laughs) (laughs) I do not remember the critic well enough. Obviously. Oh,
1: I have watched The Critic <laughs> quite a few times because for a really long time, oh my, my favorite God. Simpsons episode was the one where The Critic showed up.
3: I love it. So I was like, episode.
1: oh, my two favorite things have joined forces in one show.
3: Yep. That <laughs> like, was that and the X-Files Simpsons. That was yeah. the experience I had.
1: <laughs> You're like, oh, they're here. <laughs> they, they made it in there. Um, <laughs> God. And so... This is to me though this episode so far is for me where Seth Cohen is really starting to shine. When he introduces himself as just Seth Cohen White Knight, um I'm like great intro, gonna steal that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I could watch mm-hmm. like a 10-hour loop of Seth Cohen doing dance moves in front of Ryan like no problem. Like whatever that little like jaunty
4: robot yeah, move the, was that like... he did. I'm like mm-hmm. I'm into this. <laughs> like. I know. Like secretly me being like, just kiss. Yeah. Just kiss. <laughs> just kiss. Like as, a, <laughs> as like fully closeted team, just like, just kiss. Just kiss.
3: <laughs> I love them so much. I love their relationship so much. It just, it that makes me cry too. Everything makes me cry now. I love their relationship so much. It's just so nice. And like when I watched the show, I was very into Seth. Like I was like, oh yeah, Seth is cute. I don't really care about Ryan that much. Not into this like bad boy trope or whatever, but now watching it, I love Ben McKenzie so much mm-hmm.
1: that I'm like,
3: I love Ryan. He's my favorite one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> there, there Aaron. are some, there are some top notch lines in this though, with specifically the the Ryan Sethness of it all. So like. Of course, the Luke, the Luke Ryan stuff is not over. I thought, oh wow, they've already resolved their fight by Luke saving Ryan from this fire. Couldn't be more wrong. It looks like this is just gonna continue forever. Um, but they get into a fight and Ryan doesn't throw a punch <laughs> and says says, Wow, you didn't even fight back. You really are a Cohen now, <laughs> which is a good line. But then the cutest exchange between the two of them for me is when Ryan is explaining that he doesn't want to go to the debutante ball because he's like, look, Luke's going to be there. I don't want to make trouble for your family. I don't want to have to fight him. And Seth goes, but like, you could kick his ass though, right? And Ryan just goes, yeah. He just goes, cool. <laughs> like, it's like, he's so impressed. Like, I, the, the admiration that Seth Cohen clearly has for everything that Ryan is,
4: yeah. is mm-hmm.
1: heartwarming as hell to me. Yeah.
4: So first of all, Aaron we're sisters yes. because the, my COVID rewatch of the OC, I was like, I, here, a couple things happen. One I'm like, okay, I love Ben McKenzie. I don't know what I, I, this is how I know I've matured. I am an adult now is that I see Ben McKenzie. And the other reason I know I've matured and this is not so much a spoiler for Matt, but like Julie Cooper is my favorite character and, and, she's just doing her best to be a mother. Like, she's just, she's literally just doing her best. I don't know, as, like, as an actual mother, I just don't know (laughs) what, how you feel. But in this moment, in this episode, all she wants is, um, all she cares about is, like, hey, just don't, like, I'm from Riverside, girl. Like, you marry, you know, marry correct. She's basically, she's giving Rose's mom from Titanic, right? Totally,
3: totally. And I'm still firmly,
1: I do not, like, julie cooper yeah. and now i now i officially don't really like jimmy cooper that much either uh i was i was standing up for him last week
4: but that <laughs> faded real quick i this know week. what happened joshua what happened <laughs>
3: <laughs> joshua i love how sandy is just like fuck that guy. Like yeah. immediately. Yeah. Like Sandy finds it. out I, what he did and he's like, no, I hate him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, That's yeah. right. But
1: I absolutely get like where he's like, I don't want to go to a fucking meeting where all yep. these people are going to treat this piece of shit. Like he's a hero when the, and like when they find out the whole fucking city is going to burn.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm. But
1: that was, so here's the other thing I wrote down though, because it was, I'm so glad that I watched these two episodes back to back because The amount of shade that the entire town of Newport is throwing on Ryan's mom for being tipsy and falling over, and then there is a full blown fist fight in the middle of a debutante that has nothing to do with Ryan's family whatsoever, and no one blinks a goddamn eye. I know. I was like, this is insane. That was crazy.
3: But also, I mean, it is interesting, as we were talking about before, from a storytelling perspective, like why didn't they let us see Jimmy Cooper being the the like good guy of Newport for a couple episodes? We never yeah, see him yeah. like that. We only see yeah. him with the SEC knocking at his door in episode yeah. one. So it's like that's the only. I think the pilot is near perfect, but that's the only thing. Like I think you could have had it more set up like like Jimmy Palin around like being a big shot, yeah. and then show that it's like a house of cards
1: even if you revealed to us the information that sandy and kirsten know in this episode but don't let the rest of the town find out in the same episode like you could have stretched that out three or four more episodes where like you said you're just seeing this hero worship of jimmy totally and it's like oh and just seeing like sandy just stewing on that even more and more and more (laughs) because then when he actually defends him it would mean more
3: right (laughs) totally yeah totally
4: it's just... I think where I mean, not knowing the writers. Right. I wasn't there. <laughs> I wasn't there in the room. But the, the thing that's interesting, right, is that th- where we see Jimmy being like the Prince of Newport, right, is in the moments where he's interacting with Kirsten because they yep. do have this history. They grew up together. They were high school sweethearts. They were I think it's actually mentioned in an episode. I don't know if we've seen it or if it's coming up, but like they were basically like the prince mm-hmm. and princess of Newport. And so to see how his good guy image is immediate is put with her because she's also you know the main one of the one of our main characters as well. So it's interesting how we get that, and you know he's also like he's also like you know it's Tate Donovan. He's got those big eyes. He like looks pathetic. Yeah, and it's just so it's so endearing, even though he's like basically Bernie Madoff all of Newport, right? <laughs>
3: I mean, truly, like that's truly what he's doing. It's just sort of, yeah. I guess it is just like the Tate Donovan of it because I had this, mm-hmm. sa- I have the same reaction to him because I like him from Friends and from that small, you know, story arc he has on Friends, and so I'm like, oh, Tate Donovan's on the show, cute. <laughs> like,
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: but I, I really do think where. Last week's episode I was like man the third act really like hurts this whole episode. It's the complete opposite to me. I think this third act like builds to absolute perfection. Yeah. Even with even with the Jimmy aspect like being way too early in the storyline for all of that to happen, like I got such a weird satisfaction out of seeing Seth just straight up diss summer for yeah. Anna. I was like, this feels great. Like, the, like summer has treated him like shit, this whole episode, like loving it. <laughs>
4: I'm just going to go. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like the shittiest way to do it too. It's like, I'm, I'm going to go this, like, <laughs> no, just a completely immature. Like it's that it's, that's the thing where I'm like, okay, it works for him. Yeah. Like his quirkiness works. And, you know, just the, the sailing to Tahiti thing. Yeah. Like, first of all, Like as someone from an actual Pacific Island, Mm -mm. like you really it's not that simple. (laughs) Like (laughs) it's not that simple. But just like, you know, he wants to sail to Tahiti. Let them, let them sail. Totally.
1: Just just let them go. It's fine. (laughs) Her mentioning that she wants to sail to Tahiti, though, was was like that to me was too much. Like that was like the same as that the ending of Five Hundred Days of Summer, where he meets Autumn, where you're just <laughs> yeah. like, oh for God's sakes! Like <laughs> your eyes just roll. You're like, I can't. Like whatever reality you had built for this movie for the last yeah. twenty minutes has just crumbled <laughs> instantaneously. <laughs> like I could not deal with that. That was that was one step too far. This is the this is my favorite episode so far of the four yes. that we've watched. I had a lot of fun with this one. No, there's uh, a lot. Oh, there's stop. a lot coming. Yeah,
3: there's a lot coming up, but there's a there's so much. I I, I was so pleasantly surprised re- re-watching this one that I do we do get to see Shalene Woodley as Caitlin Cooper in this. <laughs> I was like, I know she's in the first couple episodes. Is she in the debut? Mm, I don't know. Let's keep watching. And I was like, <laughs> yes, <laughs> like I picked well.
4: <laughs> Her pony China, like this poor pony named China. That pony right? has
3: alopecia it's so sad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, the,
4: the little bits that that's the other thing that I think the OC gets right is that there's just bits that carry that become things throughout like the alopecia pony China. Um, we get like, uh, in the second season, I think there's like a comic that comes up, we see like, you know, there's a whole thing with Seth's horse, but yeah. like, you know, that's there's more things happening, but just like those little bits. My favorite bit that is not really explicit, but it's just kind of a thing, is the Cohen's bagel slicer <laughs> in their kitchen. Just like the amount of times like you walk in there, it's breakfast, and like, you know, Sandy's going to town on an everything <laughs> bagel uh, which Schmier. It's just like anytime you see it, just like take a shot, pour <laughs> one out, because it is the most... Often it's the most used prop. And it just like, every time I see one of those bagel slicers, I'm like, ah, this is the Cohen's, this is the Cohen's (laughs) uh, kitchen right here.
3: Like, here we go. (laughs) We're ready. Here we go. (laughs) When I was trying to remember, A, when I was watching the show and then B, what was going on, I was obviously like on IMDb looking up everyone. And you mentioned this a little bit, but about their eight, about Anna's age. But I was like, oh, they're all older than I am. Like, yeah, Yeah. I was like, wait a minute. But I was in college, and they're all older than I am, and they're playing (laughs) high school. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. I forgot that we used to do that. Like I yeah, for-
1: Yeah, that that was that was literally what ran through my head was I just saw the actress who played Anna was in her early forties. And I was like, Well, I know for a fact that this started like right as I was finishing high school going right. to college. So that math already is like broken. Right. <laughs>
3: like, well, and it's like and then it's like some of them are the same age as people on Dawson's Creek. And by this point in Dawson's Creek, they were the characters were already in college too. So I'm like, there's just nothing. And then all of a sudden, Misha Barton was born in 86. And I'm like, ah, she's the outlier. (laughs) Yes. Like, she's the actual teen in this.
1: And now we have, like, a show that I have been openly obsessed with since it came out. But, like, High School Musical, the musical, the series on Disney+, Plus, like, those are all age-appropriate kids for the most part. It's like, they're... 18, 19-year-olds playing 16, 17-year-olds. Right. It's like, cool, that which checks.
3: Is, which is always kind of unsettling. Like, yeah. when, you, when you grew up mm-hmm. in the 90s and you're used to watching people who are, like, 25 being like, it's my 16th birthday today and I'm sad. <laughs> no. Like, it's just, like, it's very jarring. And then you see, like, an actual teen and you're like...
1: What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Are you 12? Like, yeah, what's why did they cast on? this 10-year-old to play a high school? Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, the funniest thing, just to, to the uh high school musical, the musical, the series of it all, is uh I've been re-listening to, you know, Joe, you did my favorite episode of where Julie and Kathleen were obsessed with that show as much as I was, and we would do constant updates on it. And I was listening to one of the first ones that they brought up and they were talking about all the cast. And like, all this cast is great except for this Olivia Rodrigo girl. Like, I just don't think that she has the star power of the rest of the cast. And now it's like, Oh, you mean the person who's going to take T-Swift's throne in about five years? (laughs) It's so funny how off we were on our thoughts on that show. But yeah, like the, the age of the cast is insane. It's, We, um, I do a Christmas podcast and we just recorded an episode on I'll Be Home for Christmas, the Jonathan Taylor Thomas movie. And Mm -hmm. our brains were shattered. (laughs) when we realized that they are all high schoolers in a boarding school. Cause it's like, how did three kids all from the same area of New York end up at the same boarding school <laughs> in California, just able to drive cross country at 17 yeah. to go back <laughs> home. Like none of this adds up yeah. to my brain in the slightest. Like it, the nineties into the two thousands was a wild time for doing anything that involved high school students.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Just a, cra- just a crazy time in general. And then also it's like, Oh God, these girls, this they're poor fashion. Like the fashion Uh. of the early two thousands is just so tragic. Just so upsetting. Like, why do you always want to see like I mean, I'm not a straight guy, but like, why do you always want to see like below a belly button of a girl, like that strip? It's like the skirts are like on your hip bones, and then like your shirt comes to the top of your belly button. I'm like, why is this the part of the body that (laughs) we're highlighting? In the in the early 2000s, as a, yeah. the only
4: straight man on the call, I don't know. It's <laughs>
3: just like, it. <laughs> what's happening? Like, what's yeah. going on here?
4: <laughs> I know, and especially on Misha Barton, who, like, you know, I mean, Misha Barton famously, well, not famously, tragically, I should say, has like, you know, ended up having her own issues yeah. with the, with her body later. I wonder to what end, because like, you see how they shoot her and the and how they dress her, and it's like. They need to give like they need to do like a little guest credit for like the hip bone on her like I right on her like left hip because it's always there. always and there. I, and, yeah, and I also too I'm just like, I mean, do, am I obsessed with that area as a gay man? I guess, but like not not in this way yeah. where like you know with the belly and all of that stuff. Like it's it's just it makes them also look shorter. That's the yeah. other thing. I mean. It, it just it does it's not proportioning them correctly no
3: it's just but that that's the thing it's like all the all the tiktoks and tweets about like man they were just trying to kill millennial girls like as far mm-hmm. like society was cuz it's like all the comments to to marissa from her mom from julie about like her body shape and like mm-hmm. what size she is and like if that hairstyle looks good on her face and stuff and it's like of course, that's going to affect me, a teen watching the show, and then also the actress playing her. Probably, you know, mm-hmm. like it's just mm-hmm. so it's so upsetting. It's such a weird, oh, so such a weird, upsetting thing.
1: It makes me so overwhelmingly jealous of the kids who are Gen Z right now, with yeah. like mm-hmm. the positive reinforce. Like again, to bring up like High School Musical, the musical, the series again for one quick second. But like, you literally have a show where it's like. Half the cast, their characters are just openly bi or openly gender fluid. And like, there's, it's not like, uh, oh, we have to do a coming out story about this. It's just like, that's who they are. And everyone just accepts that about them. And like, why would we do a coming out story about this? Like, that's not what this is about. Or like the fact that the bigger girls in the show still have boyfriends and are not depicted as like the pathetic big girl that no one loves. Like, kids right now who are in high school are actually getting these shows where it's just like, you can be happy just as you are. Like yeah. versus absolutely growing up as a kid, every show was like, whether you were a guy or a girl, like the girls got the, the attractiveness thing thrusted upon them. And like the guy stuff was like, don't you want to be just like Zach Morris? Isn't he the coolest? And it's like, now you're just like, no, he fucking sucks. He's yeah. a terrible person. He's a horrible person. That's the one
4: thing. That's the one thing the reboot gets right. Yes, <laughs> it that's <is>. true. <laughs> Sorry. I love the saved by the bell reboot. I think I? It's the it's the best, it's like, it's the, it's how you do a reboot yes. when you, especially because like, given how, oh, oh hold on, this has turned into the Saved by the Bell reboot. <laughs> like, okay. it's like, it deals with Josie Tota actually like actually being trans yep. and having her be trans on the show, the race situation of it all, the problematic nature of being like a white man um, and also jokes. Yes. Like we don't have enough TV shows that have jokes there's a there's a I, I took a video of it and I've been sending it to people since I saw it, but there's a line that Josie Tota has um in the show where it's just like, you know, if you're um if you're you, if you're if you if your dreams don't scare you, then they're not big enough. I read that once on an ad for a dildo. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, This is this is this is, this is amazing writing <laughs> and the delivery is just so spot on. <laughs> um, but we 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 get jokes uh, yes. we get jokes and I and also like to co- go back and comment Matt like you have to also think about the people who are writing TV and Aaron you can probably speak to this too the people who are writing TV like this is we always do what we needed right yeah. we always we become who we needed then yeah writers are writing the things that we like need like they needed that yeah like we didn't need marissa cooper in summer you know barbecuing in a bikini with their hip bones hanging out we need like you know i'm a big girl and i got a boyfriend and yep. that's not even the most interesting about me interesting thing about me yeah, yeah.
3: totally i mean another another teen drama fave of mine is dawson's creek and i just i'm mm-hmm. i when i rewatch that show which i do all the time I'm like, oh, it's so weird how they're constantly like, Joey is plain. And I'm like, Katie Holmes is one of the prettiest people I've ever seen.
1: Mm-hmm. Like. Well, it may have been yeah. you. I think it was you on on Best of Friends that was the person who revealed to me the the Joey Pacey whole thing of it all. Which like puts such a whole new spin on watching that show. Knowing that, like, oh, this was originally written as two guys and like it changes the tone of that completely is like what Kevin Williamson was trying to do with those characters but I agree with you like I the amount of I, I mean the she's all that of it all you know what I mean like yeah. it's like oh Rachel Lee Cook one of the most beautiful women I've yeah. ever seen in my life but she's got yeah. like paint like they nailed that so much in not another team movie where yes. she yes, oh the, no the paint your, stained overalls and, and yeah. the glasses oh god <laughs> like Like stunning I know
3: (laughs) but it's just like it's like a wonder it's a wonder anyone made it out of that era alive with like any (laughs) any sense of like self-esteem or like any ability (laughs) to do anything it's like we're all just sitting here just fighting for our lives. Oh yeah. No,
1: there's definitely (laughs) a reason why everyone in our age demographic is seeing a therapist. (laughs) Like (laughs) all of our, our entire self being was demoralized by pop culture (laughs) during the most important years of our lives. That's why we all have podcasts. (laughs)
3: Yeah, (laughs) No, but I I do think that the point about say by the bell reboot, uh, as far as the writing staff, like I think now, like people actually make a point to hire a diverse writing staff, you know, Mm -hmm. like, uh, you you do something and i do think the interesting thing about the oc is that josh schwartz was so young when this show yeah. happened like he was 27 i think and so it's like there's a lot of things that are like obviously i don't want to like discredit the oc too much because there are a lot of things that are like really like groundbreaking mm-hmm. and interesting on that show i don't think that we remember now that this show <laughs> i was joking that the show invented music in tv shows which I do think is true, but it also it kind of invented like the the parallel parent storylines, like the parents mm-hmm. are like a big part, a big part of the OC and a fabric of like the storytelling, and now like that kind of happens like throughout like other teen dramas. You know that they weren't doing that on Dawson's Creek. We don't.
4: No, there, there's like the benign neglect that you see in like it it you see it a lot in like horror movies right mm-hmm. it's the benign neglect of the parents who were only focused on the kids but what this does and especially in the later seasons yeah. like especially in seasons 2 and 3 when like you know things really start happening for everyone else and you and, and also too, like you I mean you have like Melinda Clark you have mm-hmm. uh, uh Peter Gallagher they they are you have to do something with them. We're going to see uh, we're going to see Caleb Nickel come yes. in soon Ugh. a little bit. Like Alan Dale. Like you you have to be able to do something yeah. along those lines because and it's just so interesting how, like you said, like I think this show Uh, like innovates that in a very specific way in that you can't you can't see teen soap operas like anymore without like these kind of dual storylines it like it becomes a moment where it's like okay what is the big cliffhanger what is the moment that people are going to talk about and especially like this comes at the perfect time of like the advent of youtube Mm -hmm. and meme culture becoming a thing i mean it's the most famous moment Uh, The the funniest SNL sketches You know dear sister With but like specifically coming From this moment like you Don't see that again until maybe what The red
0: wedding
3: yeah totally Yeah totally that's a really good Point
0: In the darkest Corners of the internet A nameless formless entity Has been growing No one dares Question where it was created Or what it wants but those who have been entranced by its musings chant its blood curdling name in unison. Horror Movie Night! Find Horror Movie Night on your favorite podcasting app or at HMNPodcast.com.
1: Meanwhile, in New Jersey...
2: So, Marissa, what talking points do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie, let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people ooh ooh and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil in horror we can point out the triangle boobs talk about the blood splatter and ugh, the practical effects <sighs> um and also the male gaze
3: my gaze at the males
2: hi From feminism to fangirling, the Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. Do you like to
1: laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll To Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Pass to Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast
2: come baby come baby baby come come
1: come baby come baby come Aaron's learning about every podcast that I host cuz I feel like every topic <laughs> change I'm like and on this other show that I do but you know doing the the one hit wonder podcast like we talked about Phantom Planet and like the power of the OC mm-hmm. is like this is going to blow some of y'all minds California didn't chart on the <laughs> Billboard charts like cuz that was released as a single 2 years before the OC yeah. so that band would have been just like random footnote of like, hey, that guy from Rushmore was also in this indie rock band that no one's ever heard of. And then this show comes out, and like this theme song becomes like I this is the first time I ever watched the OC and I knew, oh yeah, the theme song's that California song from Phantom Planet because it was like inescapable after that. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. it okay. shifted so much. And you're you do have a good point. It was the advent of like when. I, I think the OC to a certain extent, also Dawson's Creek, but like this is also like around Scrubs, where you're really getting these like these TV show soundtracks, where it's like it's not like the Friends soundtrack, right? Like the Friends mm-hmm. soundtrack comes out, and it's like, hey, here's I'll be there for you, and like some songs that you maybe vaguely remember hearing in the background yeah. of a scene,
4: with or without you. Yeah, yeah like it's
1: like yeah. I mean, yeah, I have the show.
3: Friends soundtrack, but yeah, same. Yeah.
1: But it's like, it's got those little pieces of it for sure. But like, this is where it's like, you know, you're looking at say scrubs is my favorite show of all time. But like, you're looking at something like scrubs where it's like every one of those episodes ends with a song that ties everything together in such a giant way that like, I can't listen to half of those songs and not distinctly remember the scene in scrubs in which the song was played in because that music became a centerpiece to the, to what was happening. So, we do a segment on here, which was like, "What was the song of the episode?" Um, so this one, there was four songs that showed up in this episode. We had Liz Fairs, "Why Can't I," which plays when Marissa and Summer are just talking about Ryan. Yep. We've got Leon Ness's uh, "Lazy Days," which plays when Ryan is helping out Marissa. We've got Brassy's Play Some D, which is the party soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And then at the very end, when Ryan and Marissa are talking outside, is Smashing Pumpkins to Sheila. So I'm curious. I think Erin gave a little bit of a, a hint with her hand placement when I said one of those. But what to you is like the song of this episode?
3: Well, it's more like I, as soon as I heard the beginning, I was like, <gasps> Liz Fair. <laughs> like it was just like shot to the heart. Like that, that, that that Liz fair album i was listening to so much in college Mm -hmm. so much at the time when this was on that it was just like an immediate like time travel thing and it's just for a moment but it's just like that is that was so important to me and so good to hear this episode i made a note of it it was like (laughs) (laughs) it's like a whole whole thing
4: yeah um uh girls and gay men like you know the the longing in why can't yeah like it's if nothing because i I mean this has nothing to do with like diegetically how it fits into the episode more than i just love the song same. Yeah, so, same. Cool. yeah yeah uh
1: i mean i went with i've never heard the smashing Pumpkins song before um but when that scene was playing i'm like okay yeah i could see this being a song that next time I hear it, I'm like, oh, this is that song from that scene in the OC. Yeah. Whereas with that Liz Fair song, yeah, it's a great song. I've heard it a okay. trillion times outside of the context of the OC, totally. where I could completely forget that that was the song that was playing in that that sequence when they're discussing Ryan, um, which is cool because this time they got to talk about Ryan and it didn't turn into weird like homophobic prison jokes, which <laughs> is big score for <laughs> for Marissa and Summer. The,
3: um, oh my god, the Luke the luke of it all i'm just like (laughs) oh god and it's 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 funny because chris cormack is on Grey's anatomy now one of my Mm -hmm. top favorite shows that i've been watching Mm -hmm. since college as well and um so i see him all the time and i've so i've been able to wash luke wash early luke from Mm -hmm. my memory of him so then, having to watch the beginning of the OC again and be like, "Oh no! Oh, yeah. Luke! Oh God! This is terrible!"
4: My, my! They really typecast him. Yes, like, I mean, like they really typecast him. They were just like, "Okay, you, you're like big, big, burly, very mask presenting, right? Like you're gonna be the, you're gonna be the asshole." We do get a turn a little bit later. Yes. Something to look forward for you, Matt. Like it'll be my favorite episode that we talk about this season. Uh, for many reasons. There's something I always gonna...
3: say from. <laughs> There's a Seth line that I always say.
1: Here, Jose, I'll take my headphones. <laughs> yeah, take your headphones off. Take your headphones off. Okay.
3: I'm constantly going. Luke has a gay dad. Luke has a gay dad. <laughs> <laughs> It's so funny. It's when they go see Rooney and he's in the back of the thing and he's screaming for Rooney.
4: Yeah. He's like, Rooney.
3: (laughs) It just makes me laugh so much.
4: Oh my Uh, God. Uh, Matt, you're fine. You can come back. Okay. Sorry. Well, also like Aaron also reminded me that like, we have like, there are going to be that, that, that trope, right. Of Ot's like, of of Ot's teen soap operas where like the band everyone's going to see the band oh yeah and like you're, it's all about the band Death Cab comes up yep. we're gonna get like the killers is gonna yes. there's like a venue <gasps> that comes up in the second season two yes right right I forgot
3: about the killers oh my god
4: <laughs> I yes it's all hot like they're just playing Hot Fuss yes. and I was just like first of all Hot Fuss perfect album. Ugh. But like to see it be like, the whole episode is amazing. Oh my gosh. So it's I kind of similar
1: wait. to like my favorite piece of watching old Buffy episodes is just like what random <laughs> yes. band did they get to play the bronze this week? Like, all right, cool. Yep, yeah,
3: it's the bronze, it's the peach pit after dark.
1: Because <laughs> yeah. I only yes.
3: watched I only watched 90210 like in the later seasons. Like once I was mm-hmm. in like it was on until 2000. So yeah, once I was in late middle school. So I only okay. watched like the very late episodes, which is when they do Peach Pit After Dark and like bare naked ladies comes and plays
1: one.
4: <laughs> and stuff. See, Gilmore Girls tries it, like, but there's it's the, the Bengals.
1: They, get... they got to see the Bengals. Well, no, no, no. Wait. It's
4: season four. It's, it's so my favorite season of Gilmore Girls is season four. Season four, Rory's at Yale. They go to spring break for the first time with Paris, and the Strokes are in the bar. That's right. <laughs> and it's just like. <laughs> Part of me is just like, how much did like Amy Sherman-Palladino be like hate doing this? <laughs> like absolutely hate <laughs> well, giving this, giving the WB this. Well, wow, you and so I funny. talked about in
1: in episode two the weirdness of like. Marissa naming all of these like crazy yeah. 80s hardcore punk bands while listening to Rooney like it's like
4: what is Yeah. That?
1: Like someone who's driving around listening to Rooney is not also well versed in Black Flag and Bad Braids. Like those are not two worlds that intersect that much. Aaron, you have been a delightful guest. you. <laughs> is there anything that you want to real quick plug before we go into our pop culture promo to to end up the episode?
3: I don't do a lot these days um no i I do do a lot but you know i don't know if you do want to hear about dawson's creek i do do a thing do do a series on um instagram where i basically do like a one person video recap of dawson's creek episodes and i'm in season five so it's pretty uh pretty wacky at this point (laughs) uh So I do one that on the, my Instagram. That's about it.
1: One <laughs> of the many great shows that ends with someone selling the concept of the show. Yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> my favorite TV show trope of all time. It's um, brilliant. It's brilliant. <laughs> All right. So, as we always say, you know, when the OC happened, it was a giant pop culture moment. Uh, so much so that even with me not watching it, I was aware of its, <laughs> of its existence and of its characters and and everything. So, we always try to end the show talking about something that was also a giant pop culture moment that you are currently obsessed with, be it something from the past or something happening currently um I'll I'll kick this one off uh because at the time that we're recording this I have watched uh Weird the Al Yankovic story on Roku and it is so much funnier than I could have ever dreamed or imagined it being uh the way that it deconstructs what a movie biopic can be is insane and I don't think we'll ever have another situation like this where the person that the biopic is about is is writing the biopic (laughs) and just making a mockery of their entire life's work. Like it's insane. It's an insane thing to look at. I
4: loved it. Yeah. So fun. So (laughs) um, again, as, as of, as of watching this, we are almost halfway through season two of the white Lotus. And so far what I'm loving is the fact that like when gay Twitter finds out that a person is hot it's like they've never seen a hot person for the first time so like the the weird internet discourse about like is theo james's is theo james's dick real which like i mean hbo literally has a show with dragons like we it 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 does it's immaterial whether or not it's real it's Because either way, we're probably wrong. Um, But also, like, Will Sharp, who's, like, the internet discovering who Will Sharp is. A gay, specifically gay Twitter, discovering who Will uh, Will Sharp is. And, like, being completely obsessed with, like, his happy trail torso in the shower. (laughs) Adam DeMarco's ass. Like, it's very, like, first of all, God bless bisexual king Mike White for, (laughs) for all of this. But at the same time, it's just, like, the, like, hardcore standing that we're seeing like days after um these episodes is just been hilarious to watch um so that's at the moment currently what i'm obsessed
3: <laughs> so i went back i stopped watching this show and then i w- i went back and in the last like two weeks at the time of recording i have caught up to current and it's riverdale oh. <gasps> it is the single craziest thing i've ever seen in my life <laughs> And I've watched all of season five and six in the last two weeks. And the way season six ends, my best friend had already watched it. And she was like, just keep watching. It gets even crazier. You're not even prepared for how crazy season six gets. And I was like, calm down. Like, I'm sure I'm prepared. I was not prepared. Even as you're watching season six, the, the what happens in the finale is so crazy. And it just is a different show that I'm like fascinated and I'm all in. For the final season I'm like great can't wait to watch season seven I'm gonna watch it every week I'm gonna like re- read recaps of it I can't wait it is insane we need to be talking about this again like this is <laughs> weird like, it's it's there's there's time travel and like superpowers like it is crazy it is
4: musical episodes
3: it's constantly a musical my husband's he we all work from home you know and he's constantly upstairs like, can you turn Riverdale down? Because I won't be paying attention. And it's like, they're in a full musical number and it's suddenly like eight decibels louder than I meant it to be. And I'm like, oh, they're singing constantly. And he's like, is it a (laughs) musical now? And I'm like, no, it's just sometimes (laughs) a full episode is a musical. And sometimes like they're just singing in the middle of an episode. (laughs) Like it's just, it doesn't matter. There are no
4: rules.
1: No I feel like Sabrina but, hit that level two out of nowhere, where they're just like, "Yeah, there's just going to be songs for the sake of songs."
4: It's <laughs> Enjoy. Just... It. Yeah, I, I mean, see, like I so I also stopped watching Riverdale after season one because because then it just got too much. Yep. But I finished uh, Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, and I was like, "Okay, I can believe everything works because like magic, yep. right?" <laughs> If Riverdale, like, I don't, I can't, because, like, it's supposed to just be the town. Like, it's just supposed to be a town with people and and Archie's hot. They're
3: just like, nope, it's all rules. Like, it's no, there's no, there's no grounded rules of this universe. And it used to annoy me. And now I'm like, you know what? You're right. This is great. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Do whatever you
4: want. I, I (laughs) I read something. It was like one of those BuzzFeed listicles that was like, you know, the 57, of most wild things that have ever happened on a TV show. And I love reading those, especially if I've never seen like the episodes they're talking about. And there's the one about Riverdale where they said, yeah, Archie confesses to a murder just because he wanted the trial to be over. And I was like, that is (laughs) <laughs> bananas
3: but there's also like the whole list could have been just riverdale moments Yeah, because there's just yes. a million yes. of them there's infinite it,
1: <laughs> it's also one of those shows and this happens in a lot of tv shows and movies actually where you're just like why does no one leave this town if so much <laughs> bad shit happens all the
3: time here? okay but did you ever think sometimes it's that there's a curse on the town and they can't leave
1: that's true yeah which that does is. also happen It could be be a wizard did it type situation. At some point,
3: point they just started like watching episodes of Buffy and like stealing plot points and being like, (laughs) it's fine if we put it in this non supernatural show, right? And then they just went with it. They're just like, the part
1: that was the hardest hurdle for me when I decided to watch all of Riverdale on a whim was like, how am I supposed to buy that? People are still just calling this man Jughead to his face. This like <laughs> this unspeakably gorgeous man, and you're just like, "Hey, Jughead, come over here."
3: Like, Sometimes Jug.
1: Yeah, jug, <laughs> the the dream, the nickname everyone dreams of, Jug. Yeah.
4: <laughs> like, yes. <laughs> I- I just like the sister jelly bean jelly- right? Is that right? <laughs> yeah
3: yeah yeah yeah. Also like Skeet Ulrich just left the show. He just, just pieces out at one point. Like it's just, just kind of like uh eh, he left, I don't know. Like, yeah, he had to be yeah.
1: he had to be awkwardly CGI'd into young Skeet Ulrich for the newest Scream movie, so he's like I can't possibly be on Riverdale. <laughs> My
3: favorite sometimes. thing. <laughs> <laughs> God.
1: The the lowest point in an otherwise very good attempt at a reboot to the Scrooge franchise. It. I was just like, what the fuck? Is I happening?
3: loved it. He's just in the back of the car like, "Hey, daughter." I'm like, sure. Yeah, do, hey, it. Daughter. do it. Hey, do it.
4: <laughs> it was very yeah, I I love Jack Quaid. Like, I loved him before I knew who his parents yeah. were, and now I love him because like, oh, you're Meg Bryant's son. I style. know we're we're overdue for like a you've got mail situation but like you and then like you know a daughter of tom hanks or something like that
1: yes
3: oh that's because <laughs> i think
4: yeah maybe it's like I, margaret like, Polly. yes maybe it's
3: like jack Quaid and margaret Polly. i'm just spitballing. <laughs>
4: yes. come on be into that we will we'll get the pitch down yeah. it'll be great like
1: well, once again, thank you so much for joining us, Aaron. This was so much fun. Uh, we will me. certainly have you back on if you want to talk more Please. OC in the future.
3: All I ever want to do is recap episodes of of shows. So,
4: can I ask what? Can I ask what? Uh, if you were to come back, what are the two episodes you would want to come back for?
3: If I could think of any episode, you know, well, <laughs> anything with I- Olivia Wilde.
4: <laughs> okay. Season two. Season two. Then.
3: Anything with Olivia Wilde and like kind of anything. Oh, that guy, um, uh, that new year's episode with what's his face. <gasps> that horrible yes! guy who's also on Dawson's Creek, that actor, and-
4: and it's in season one. Yes. Like we're we're like ten episodes away from it. Like that's <laughs> that's the beauty of this. I completely did not think that that. It's I still thought in that season was season one.
3: two. Oh my god. No,
4: it is like middle season one. It's like mid season finale. They really. This one. is
3: why it's a it's a comet. It it just it shines bright and then it immediately like the OC is just.
1: The so way you guys talk about this show, it feels like it's four seasons in name only and it is
4: actually like the beats of eight to nine seasons yeah. of television Yes, <laughs> we don't make tv like this no. anymore uh-huh. like to binge watch the oc is exhausting because <laughs> because like we haven't had the week to process the fact that like all ryan's doing is getting into fights. yes yeah so like we don't we don't make it and, and even like even, like, the White Lotus or any TV that is made right now that's immediately on a streaming service, like, they're still thinking about it from a bingeable standpoint. So, like, yep. you can watch, like, all of White Lotus Season 1 and, like, believe that the characters, like, and it, and it works even when you're doing it in the serialized form. So, like, with this, it's just... It's exhausting, it like is. by season two, you're like in the binge that I did during COVID, I was like, I'm exhausted and I don't know if it's COVID or if I'm just like fatigued out from watching like 40 minutes of the show. Yeah, every yeah day. I,
1: I am glad that our recording schedule is typically two episodes at a time back to back because usually by the time that second episode in a row is hit, I'm like, all right, I need, I need to <laughs> sit down. I need, to, let me watch the newest episode of Survivor or something <laughs> like I need to de- decompress a little bit. <laughs> (laughs) All right, well, we will be back next week with even more OC.
0: Entity has been growing No one dares Question where it was created Or what it wants But those who have been entranced by its musings Chant its blood curdling Name in unison Horror, Horror Movie Night. Night Find Horror Movie Night On your favorite podcasting app Or at HMNpodcast.com
2: Meanwhile,
1: in New Jersey
2: So Marissa, what talking points Do you want to hit on in this week's episode? Well, Jackie Let's talk about how the film addresses the patriarchy. Ooh, and representation of marginalized people. Ooh, ooh, and even philosophical ramifications of good versus evil and horror. We can point out the triangle boobs, talk about the blood splatter, and, oh, the practical effects. <sighs> um, and also the male gaze?
3: My gaze at the males?
2: Hi! From feminism to fangirling, The Jersey Ghouls cover all the bases of horror from a woman's perspective. New episodes are uploaded every other Sunday. Just search Jersey Ghouls to find us on social media and your favorite podcasting app. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.